Welcome to the Talkie Walkie Walkie Talkie Podcast. I am Eloise, your host on this podcast. This episode is mostly in English. My guest is Aaron, an Anglophone Montrealer. Aaron started his own podcast, Our Life, and inspired me to try new things and start my own. Thank you again, Aaron. You're one of the reasons why this podcast exists today. In this episode, we've been talking about Aaron's use of English and French in Montreal and his relationship with languages. We've also have been talking about the coexistence of different accents in the same place and language identity and politics in Canada. We delved into Canadian politics, native people's issues, and the issue of homelessness in Canada. For my Francophone listeners, I will work on putting together French and English subtitles on YouTube. This is a long work, so feel free to contribute. You should have access to ad subtitles and video. I will do the same for the first episode with Camellia, in order to make it accessible for Anglophones and beyond. Now, I will stop blabbering on, enjoy this episode, and I will leave you with our conversation with Aaron. So, thank you for being here, Aaron. Um, can you present yourself quickly? So, uh, my name is Aaron. Uh, my, I, I've started my own podcast recently. It's called Our Life. My, my name there is Aaron David, uh, but my, my social media name is Aaron DiCaprio. I have many pseudonames. Uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a Concordia student. That's where Eloise and I met. You're from... I'm from... <laughs> where am I from? I'm from... Uh, <laughs> born and raised in Montreal. I was naturalized as an American citizen growing up. I'm a child of immigrants. And, um, yeah, so most of my contextual experience has been here in Montreal. Okay. Your podcast has really inspired me to begin one in my own. Thank you. So, thank you very much. And I always enjoy having conversations with you, so I'm really glad to have you here. You know, I was actually, uh, just, just to say, I was talking to uh, Martin. Yeah. Um, I know you guys were speaking last night. And, uh, and I mentioned that, that you said you started your podcast because of me. Yeah. And... Uh, and he was kind of laughing, <laughs> and he brought up, like, you know, isn't that the point? Mm. And it is, really. Mm-hmm. Like, the reason I started my podcast was to try to get as many people as possible having conversations. But not just, you know, not like what you did this weekend, but real conversations. Really trying to get into the, the meat of even the most mundane things. So I, I'm, I'm really glad you started this project, because I, I think that this is really, you know, it, it, it's touches me in a way that I think it's, it's hard to express in, in words. Yeah. Um, yeah. So let's begin the, the questions. Um, the first question would be, what languages do you speak? English, Francais. Francais, okay. And you would describe yourself as Anglophone, Francophone, bilingual? Um, you know, since I've started university, I'm definitely way more Anglophone. I, uh, mm-hmm. I've lost a lot of my French. Um, Though recently I've, I've been uh, really trying to emphasize that my, my French speaking, you know, mm-hmm. friends speak to me in French um, so that they can speak in their most comfortable tongue and, uh, and I can speak in mine. <laughs> If you describe yourself as Anglophone, oh, Francophone, right. bilingual. Yeah, no, I would say I'm bilingual, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, how, d- how do you learn every language, each language? What is your mother tongue? What was the language you studied in school? Uh, well, so I went to French elementary school up until grade four, mm-hmm. um, and then it was bilingual, 
And then in high school, for my first two years, I was in French immersion. And then I switched to the English um, because that's where all my friends were. <laughs> uh, and at home, my, my grandfather's a Tunisian immigrant, so he speaks French, Arabic. Um, my mom was born in the States. She actually uh, moved here to, you know, because of my grandfather, they ended up moving here and she learned French here. So I, I speak a little bit of French at home. Um, but other than that, I, it, it's that, that's mostly how I've learned my French, just either speaking with family or from, from school. Mm-hmm. And living in Quebec, I mean, yeah. it's kind of hard to... to that helps. <laughs> so at home you speak English mostly then? Uh, it, it really depends. Like Both. at home, home, like with my mom and my dad, I speak English. But with my grandfather, I speak French. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And do you, do you code switch sometimes? Uh, switch from English to French in the same sentence? When you speak to people, in my head I do a lot actually. Uh, mm-hmm. In my he- in my head I do a lot of translating. There are certain there like, like even so. Just for example, I um, when you were saying in between the, f- I was thinking entre, mm-hmm. entre les deux langues. Um, so I don't know. Like so it's mostly in my head, and I tend to translate. In fact, I find when I'm speaking French, I'm translating from English to French, and when I'm speaking English, I'm translating from French to English. So that's yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's very strange. <laughs> so you don't have your mind only in one language and stick to that. So yeah, you always making gaps or though I wish I, I wish it came I, I don't even know what to say this. Uh, I wish it was just more natural um, yeah I, I, I wish it was that I was so entrenched in these languages that it was as if both were my mother tongue because I definitely am more comfortable in English mm-hmm. um, I find when it comes to expressing my emotions my, my deeper thoughts mm-hmm. um, because I've been studying in that in English you know, so school some, has played a huge role. Absolutely. I mean, most of the f- books in philosophy, even French mm-hmm. philosophers, I've read in English translations. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I had the, I had the opportunity to actually uh, read um, Candide in French. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was interesting and it was challenging. Uh, Candide is Voltaire, for those who don't know. Um, and it was interesting, it was challenging, it was obviously a modern translation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I enjoyed it. I actually enjoyed it a lot more than, than the English version. I had both. Um, Does it feel different for you to read in French or in English? Absolutely. Absolutely. I feel like I'm much smarter when I read French. <laughs> 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So that leads to my next question, which is, do, if you use each language for a different purpose, for example, if all your friends are anglophones, or like English is your the language of you're studying with or if you if you yeah if you have different purposes for each language that you dissociate clearly yeah i um i would say that in school i mostly want to communicate in english but like i said i would much rather that if i'm speaking to somebody whose mother tongue is french Mm -hmm. that they speak to me in french and i speak to them in english because I can, I mean, fr- like in terms of like understanding, I'm some, I sometimes find it difficult to speak um, mm-hmm. in both languages if it hasn't uh, become clear. Uh, but when I'm at work, because I tend to work in the service industry, I, I work with a lot of Quebecers, a lot of Haitians, mm-hmm. um, so I, I tend to tend to stick to French. Um, but it's also very kind of rudimentary French, you know. And in the city, do you speak? French or English both. or yeah, both. Yeah, both. Both. Probably does more it depend French. on the does it depend on the district? Yeah, for sure. 
culture. I mean, the uh, the west side of the island is mostly Anglophone, mm-hmm. though it's though there there are more and more French speaking people. You go downtown, you go to the East End. Mm-hmm. It's too francophone. <laughs> but downtown is quite bilingual, isn't it? Downtown. I mean, downtown is uh, it's, it's more than bilingual. You you. I mean, it's not like it's New York where you'll hear like thirty different languages, but it's definitely, you know, I would say like let's say like around Concordia. Uh, you know, you'll you'll hear you'll hear you know Japanese. Sometimes. Mm-hmm. So. I I feel like in, in downtown I speak more English. Yeah. Definitely because sometimes in services in cafes people people speak English first. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can clearly feel it, and in other in other districts I speak French. What? Yeah. Well, it's <sighs> Concordia is also very anglophone. You know, go to University Montreal. That whole mm-hmm. area is completely French. Mm-hmm. Um, Like everything, everything. Like I mean, I don't think, I don't think I've been to one place in that area where I felt like I was talking to somebody that is an English speaker who's mm-hmm. speaking French. Mm-hmm. It's very francophone. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it does. It does, because I I I say University of Montreal because it's still kind of center of the island. It's not like f- you know out out in the in the boonies. <laughs> so, it uh, it does to a degree depend on district, but I think it also you're, when you're looking at. Concordia or McGill, the two English universities in Montreal, you'll see mostly English-speaking people, mm-hmm. um, or people who can speak English. That makes Maybe sense. Not, uh, yeah, you know, mother tongue, but yeah. I wanted to go back to something you said that interested me. Um, when you said when people you want francophones to speak to you in French, but yeah. answering in English. Yeah. Why answering in English and not in French? It really depends what the conversation is about. You know, if, if if it's getting, if I can express myself in French without, you know, being misunderstood, then I will. Um, but why, like, I would ask somebody who's a French-speaking person to speak to me in French is that I want them to be able to communicate their ideas to the fullest degree. I want them to feel like they're doing justice to what they're thinking. You know, in the same sense that I would want to speak in English so I can feel like I'm doing justice to what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, so that I can't, like, you know, like that I wouldn't get lost in translation, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a good question. Uh, I, I think... I think really more than anything, if I'm being completely honest, it's a lack of confidence. Uh, I definitely, I, I definitely am a little bit um, deterred by what I consider to be my my level of French. I, I don't think that I can actually maintain a whole conversation. Um, you know, and, and sometimes in my own, like I, I do try to engage with reading in French and writing in French, and in my head, it always seems to go very smoothly. But the moment it's like to try to connect from my head to my mouth, you know, actually sounding out and getting out the words and all the intonations and and the 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 kind of the, the facial expression like the whole thing that comes in a conversation is that i'm focusing on all of those things at the same time that i'm like forgetting words um so i, I think that's that's mostly my reason why well, what do you think is the the reason why you're not confident in french i just since i started cégep it was um i was in an in english cégep and english university and Just, just wasn't exposed. This is the most I've been exposed to French speaking in in university. What is at this college, mm-hmm. which is hilarious. Um, <laughs> yeah, a, because it's a, a this college is Anglophone, for the record. But it's becoming more Francophone though. There's a yeah. There's a lot of Quebecers yeah. who are Francophone. Yeah. And uh, we're French invading you. <laughs> classic. Yeah, classic. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Do you feel like? Francophones have this judgment towards your, you know, to to French, or is it totally internalized and 
Do I think I get judged because of my French? Yeah. Probably. I don't know. It's not not a fear that you have that... No. No. Like I said, like, most recently, I've been really pushing French-speaking people. I've been in a room full of French speakers all speaking English. Mm -hmm. I always found it to be such a strange thing. You know, like... Even if I didn't understand, yeah, you know, like I, I'm, I'm part, I'm part of the, the these people. <laughs> sure, and like, it, and it's not a judgment call on you, even to just because you're asking me if I feel like I'm judged. I maybe, I maybe sometimes I feel like I'm judging more. Mm. Um, like, if somebody is going to say, you know, why don't you speak better French? Okay, well, that person's kind of, kind of exposing maybe a certain quality about themselves, not a great quality. Um, but more than that, look, if my French isn't that great and it bothers you, then tell me, teach me, you know, force me to speak French. I'll do it. Like, I, I like a challenge. So it's not a, it, it's not like a, you know, my friend being judged or does it hurt my feelings? No, not really. It's uh, it's part of life. You, sometimes you, you want, you want somebody to call you out so that you can say, okay, you know, maybe, maybe I do have a room for improvement. Um, but yeah, no, it doesn't really. Do you have this wish to improve? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like, I, I thought about it a lot, maybe, you know, moving to, to, to France for a bit just to be fully immersed. Yeah. But, you know, the, I, in my opinion, I find the French are worse when it comes to that, that when, as soon as they hear an accent, they'll just, like, they'll, like, there's this kind of, like, attitude, oh, I'll just speak in English, you know, whatever. I don't, don't want to waste my time with this person. Yeah. Um, I find Quebec, they're a little bit more, and at least in the experience I've had so far of this kind of almost excitement when I say, no, speak to me in French. Mm-hmm. Oh, look at this fucking anglophone, you know, he wants me to speak in French to him, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe the, you know, I don't know what's going through their head, maybe particularly, but I, I do sense a sense of, uh, sense of an excitement in it, mm-hmm. you know, in their voice. Do you feel like that it's perverse in a way that people also bilingual, that they always, <clears throat> they always uh, adapting to the person's preference, so you, when you want to speak French, mm-hmm. people switch to English automatically when they, they hear in the slight of accent even though the grammar can be perfect the vocabulary can be perfect but just the the slight of accent can people gonna switch to english i'm very i'm very um i'm very cautious with letting what other people think affect how like the type of environment i'm trying to create around myself so if i'm speaking to a person that is very clearly french and I speak to them in French, but I have an English accent. And they decide that, well, I'm going to speak to English in this person with this person. You know, I might, depends on the situation, I might bring up, well, look, if you're more comfortable speaking French, I would prefer that you spoke to me in French and I'll speak to you in English. If you prefer that I speak to you in English without having an English accent in French. I'm okay with that. I don't, I don't take it personally. Um, but again, like working in the service industry... Uh, I've actually run into this more with Haitians than I than I have with uh, uh, Quebecers, where I'm speaking to them in French, and I, you know they hear and you know these are guys I've been working with a while, working with for a while, and now we've kind of you know we I, he, they know that they can speak to me in, in French and I'll speak in English, um, you know they but at the beginning they would try to speak to me in English and like their English accent was so bad I couldn't understand what they were saying, right. And that's fine, right? Like, they just couldn't speak English. And so I just, you know, I made an emphasis, said, look, if you don't understand what I'm saying in French, because I can't get across what I'm trying to say properly, I'll speak to you in English if you can understand. But please speak to me in French, because I literally do not understand your word, what mm-hmm. you're saying. Um, but again, it, it really depends on the situation. Uh, do you think people have a, a sense of 
pride, yeah, the sense of pride towards their their language ability, and uh, like being able to be bilingual. Yeah, I think you should. I think you should be proud of it. I think it's really like a, it's a leg up in life, you know, to know more than one language. It's uh, it's a benefit. Uh, so if you were proud, I wouldn't be surprised, and I wouldn't like wouldn't bother me. But I don't know. It, that would really depend on who you're talking to. Like, do you feel proud being bilingual? I was uh, depends because sometimes I feel like my my English ability is good enough, but then then I don't I don't get someone because of a, they have a different accent or something, and I feel like shit. You know. What do you mean by you don't get? I don't. There's some words I don't understand, and there's a lack of communication, and this bothers me. When I feel like we can't communicate because of my language ability, um, that's always improving, and that's a good thing that makes me want to to move forward. Mm. That there's a, a space to improve in French and in English, in English and in French, and. And yeah, like feeling like a lack of knowledge sometimes bothers me. As long as it bothers you, I guess, in a healthy way, not in a destructive way. Yeah. You know, it's a good thing because that means it pushes you to, to change and improve. Mm-hmm. I, th- I personally think you should be proud. Like, I think, I think your level of English is far better than my level of French. Um, so I think there, 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 there is room for pride, but, you know, for you, you don't feel it. That's also fine. Mm-hmm. You know, make, makes you humble. Makes you, yeah. you know, put things my, in perspective. My, my question was more in the sense of people are proud. Like arrogant? Of, I mean, too proud to accept that maybe would be um, an easier option to speak the other language. For example... Oh, I absolutely want to to speak English as a francophone person and I don't want to switch to French because it bothers me. Do you feel that way? Mm, I don't I don't feel that way because I am raised a clearly francophone from France. But that was my, my question about Montreal is people people being bilingual. I'm genuinely curious, like, do you have that sense? Like, having been here in Montreal, do you have a sense that that French speakers will kind of... Donner préférence à une langue, à un autre. If they're speaking to, like, an English-speaking person, they're going to say, okay, well, I'm going to speak English to this person because, you know, this is, uh, this is what makes sense more in that situation compared to, like, if... You know, again, like, that example of me being in a room of 10 people speaking French... Mm-hmm. Uh, and they all speak English because I'm there. I'm mm-hmm. the one English-speaking person. Yeah. Um, is that what you mean? <laughs> well, I definitely had this uh, experience of people being upset of the politeness of switching language. Like, you have uh, people who are more bilingual than others. So they're gonna switch to 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 English to an Anglophone person who's trying to speak French, and this person's gonna be upset. The English speaking person. The English speaking person who can speak French is gonna be upset because their their accent is striking too much. It represses them. Represses like the French speaking person's ability. The, no, it represses the English person to speak French, because they have the feeling that people are gonna switch to English anyways. 
you know? I think it could arise. I think it could happen. I personally have rarely met any English or French speaking person that when given the option to speak in their mother tongue has been upset by that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very rare that I've, I've seen that. In my personal experience, I've never seen that. But again, really, it really depends on who you're talking to. You know, I know, I know a few English-speaking guys who are just no interest in learning French, don't see an importance in learning French, and I think they're doing themselves a disservice, just like I know French-speaking people that don't see a reason in speaking English, which they're doing just as equal a disservice to themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the question's a little hard for me to answer, just because um, it, it's, it's so anecdotal. Uh, that that you you know you'd really have to meet everybody in Montreal to really be able to answer that. So to you, language is really about communication. I feel. Yeah. So there's not really a emotional link to to it really. It's very it, for me. It's very intellectual. I I think language is beautiful. It's complex. There's so many. You know, you being a French speaking person from France. No, I won't, I won't name these individuals, but I think you know who I'm talking about when they're always making fun of the Quebec accent or any other accent that's not Parisian. Uh, you know, it, it, in my view, like, that's that's a little bit low-minded. Um, but it, it, it also is fascinating to think, like, this language, which is the same language, has so many different accents. Yeah. And, like, you could pretty much be speaking two different languages, mm-hmm. right? Like, Quebec French and France French is very different. Um, so it's very fascinating, and it depends on how you look at it. You either can look at it in a, kind of a in, a in an emotional, you know, antagonistic way, and say like, well, you know, this is kind of dirty French, or you can see it as like this kind of beautiful uh, richness. Yeah, this richness, this this. You know, we, and we have this conversation, right? Like with my preference of, if I had a preference of the American accent, which again has several accents, to mm-hmm. the. Uh, you know the British accent, which also has several accents. You know, there's a difference between somebody from Manchester and London, and you know, uh, which meant like literally, like fundamentally different. It's it's so different. It's crazy that you think in such a tiny country you could have that many accents. Do you experience a, a variety of French accents in Montreal Absolutely. or in Quebec? Absolutely, one hundred percent. Yeah, one hundred percent. Even there, there are there are different dialects. In Quebec, of French, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. of Quebec French. Are there some that you don't understand? Most, <laughs> I don't understand most. I mean, I, I pretty much like on the island. That's that's the that's the French I, I can get a hand of yeah. handle of. It's uh. I feel like there's a huge difference between the island of Montreal and the, the outside Quebec. A different country, Montreal yeah. is a different country, pretty much. Okay. Um, you know, like uh, I, I won't I won't mention your name, uh, but I think you'll know who I'm talking about. Uh, from you know she's from Quebec City mm-hmm. and I find her her accent is more aristocratic in a way it's it, it almost feels like a, a a more kind of fleshed out more uh, mm-hmm. cultured French um, and not to take away from like let's say rural French uh, rural you know Quebecois mm-hmm. um, but the, there, there does seem to be more of that kind of uh, intonation in, in, in the accent from there you know you go to you go to Gaspé or you go to you know, let's forget Quebec for a second. You go to Les Acadies, right, in, in, in Nova Scotia. They're, they're, it's, like, it's English French, right? <laughs> they're, using, they're using French words with an English accent. No, I mean, really. it's the weirdest thing. You, you, yeah. like, it's so hard as a French-speaking person, as an English-speaking person, right, as, as people who speak normal languages. <laughs> I'm, I'm making fun of them. But, but like, you literally, you'll have a conversation with them, and you'll, you'll have no idea what they're saying in either language. 
that you'll have no idea what they're saying in English or in French because it's just it's such a it's such a unique meld of English, French, uh, and, and you know maybe a little bit of Scot you know Scottish accent in there. You know throw throw a little Scottish accent in there just to, to mix it up. It's crazy, right? You know ac accents accents in my view are one of the most fascinating things. And uh, I was actually inspired by uh, you know to this I guess this this by um, uh, the late singer Paul Robeson who uh, was a you know an African American spiritualist. Uh, he could speak over 70 languages and he would travel the world and he would start making connections between you know certain African dialects and Gaelic and you know Chinese and South American mm -hmm. um, and whether they were there or not in his mind being that he was a singer being that he spoke all of these languages being that he was able to 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 move his mouth right his tongue and his mouth and his mind all these things were in such sync that he started to just make connections right he started to say like look like this sound Right? Forget words for a certain point, but this sound has a similar emotional tie here as it does here. Mm -hmm. Right? The way this the way this sound, you know, even if the sound sounds slightly different to the untrained ear to him, right? To him he was like, No, there's like there's a similarity in the way that he sees the, the universality. Yeah. yeah. Behind languages, yeah. 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 So when you when you you say for you language is about communication, but in the meantime you emphasize the beauty of the variety, do you feel like when you can't understand someone because they have a different accent, because they have a different way of speaking, what's your what's your sentiment about that? Do you feel like it's a it's okay to the variety of the diversity of the the word, or or you feel like oh it's a shame we can't communicate mm. because to me that's like always the the two two challenges either you want to communicate or either you want the artistic part of language you know when we were having that conversation about my preference of, of accents mm -hmm. i think one reason why i have a preference or one reason why i would bring it up in that context is that in a lot of ways certain accents in europe are created synthetically out of a desire to separate you know those with needs from those without in mm -hmm. terms of access to intellectual ideas. So if I'm speaking to somebody who has an accent that is very hard to understand, I do my very best to see past that in order to get to the ideas. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's impossible. Sometimes it's very difficult to do so. And maybe there are other ways of figuring out that. I don't know. Uh, but I wouldn't say that there has to be this strict dichotomy between the beauty and the, and the need to communicate. Um, and I, I think one kind of unifying factor is body language. It's not something we've really spoken about. Is that mm -hmm. sometimes, you know, sometimes you can communicate more through your body language than you can through your words. Um, so it, it really depends, like, what I'm even talking about. You know, if, if I'm trying to, like, figure out the metaphysics of, you know, religion or God or whatever, some sort of high-minded idea, I mean, look, it's... it's Probably better that I speak to somebody who, who I can communicate with. Um, but if I'm just if I'm just trying to get from point A to point B, you know, sign, you know, makeshift sign language and, and, and eye contact is really all you need. Mm -hmm. So it, it it really depends on, on what you're talking about. So I call anglais cuisine. Anglais <laughs> cuisine. Yeah. <laughs> the anglais you need to to cook. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 I mean, essentially, essentially, just like, you know, uh, 
any any sort of listing, right? Any anything that requires a list uh, from A to A to Z. I mean, you, it's it's you don't need you don't need such a complex uh, grasp of a language. Mm -hmm. um, but like just just to say, uh, you know, a native speaking, uh, you know, somebody who spoke Mandarin probably have a lot of difficult time, you know, a lot more difficult of a time communicating with them than somebody who spoke Italian or Spanish mm -hmm. or German mm -hmm. uh, or Dutch. Because it's closer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's closer to, to my understanding. Do you feel like there's a strong sense of power related to language in Quebec that's uh, bothering you, maybe, or just in, in general, in a neutral way? Probably one of the worst person to ask kind of questions, too, because I, uh, I tend to, even if I sense these things or even if I feel these things, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't address them or I don't... Uh, I don't consider them as being on the top of my list of problems I face in my life. Mm -hmm. um, so I would say, like from a from a cultural perspective, uh, like if I were somebody looking outside into Quebec, uh, we have a very archaic language system. I think on both sides. I think it's unfortunate that English-speaking people that I think it's unfortunate that we have something called English-speaking people in Quebec. I think in Canada as well. Unfortunately, we have something like English Canada and French Canada, right? I think it's in, I think it's very, very old, old school, very old-minded, that that just because of the territory you're in, that you're going to speak a certain language. Mm -hmm. I think that everybody should be bilingual. I think it's a benefit to them, personally. So in Quebec, you're looking at a situation where there's a fear of loss of identity with the loss of a language. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think either of those things would happen if the policy would change. I don't think you would lose French, and I don't think you would lose a Quebec, Quebec accent, uh, identity. But I would also ask the question, well, if your identity is defined by a language, then what do you really have? And this is what you have today. You have language police. Right? You have people going around making sure that you have the accent in the right direction. I mean, making sure that you're, you're spelling, you're saying pasta in a, in a French word, in a, you know, the, the Frenchest way you could say pasta, they thought. Um, so I, I think, I think unfortunately, yes, there's a, there is a certain power relation in Quebec that focuses around the control of language. Um, but I, I don't think it's sustainable for one, in my opinion. I don't think it's something that can actually be sustained. Quebec really wants to open itself up to the world. But I also think that Although I probably have more negative things to say about it, that there is a positive too, out of the, the you know ma maintaining French as the main spoken language in Quebec, mm -hmm. right? I think it's it's at least in my life, it's done me a, a positive. I can speak French. I can maintain a conversation in French, um, and I benefit from that. You're you're saying they're they're closing themselves to the world, but they have a strong policy of immigration from French French countries. I feel. Yeah, yeah French-speaking foreign countries. Yeah, yeah. Right. Which, so which also... If that's their goal, it's working, you know? Uh, it's not. It's not, and it is, in the sense that what I meant was to if they wanted to open themselves up to the world, right? If they, if they wanted Quebecers to become part of the international community, right? French-speaking people in Quebec will have to speak English, just like you as a French person from France speaks okay. English. Something about your yeah, but identity. Quebec is part of Canada, so it's, uh, Canada has a duty internationally. And that, that's you know? my point. That doesn't make sense to me. That the whole of Canada, you have one province where it's really French, 
and the rest of them like you go to BC nobody speaks French there yeah right that's but, a problem but you're saying if people should be bilingual yeah. but can you force people to learn the language if they're not practicing it in real life if everybody around them is anglophone and sure they're learning French at school but they're not going to use it and they're not going to be fluent in French mm. neither yeah you know yeah no I, I totally agree and I think somebody who was uh, who, who believed in, in Quebec uh, you know sovereignty would say well that's why you need to have a sovereign Quebec so that you can maintain the control over that language um, you know that's, that's a good question and I never think you should force people to I think it would require a cultural shift where it, it whereas Canadians we saw it within our best interests to be bilingual on the whole um, and even more than that right I'm gonna take this an even step further right you have a lot of native languages mm-hmm. right that are, that are completely unknown to us mm-hmm. and I mean I guess in part you would have to discuss with the with the with the locals whether they're you know okay with uh, you know, non-native speaking speaking their, their, their tongue in my opinion I think that would also do a benefit to us um, you know I, I think Right there, there is this question you brought up earlier about communication. Communication is really important, but there's also a certain kind of effect on the mind that you can't account for right away. You know, it, it takes time to really figure out if that's a working system. Um, and I think that one of the ways you can have a long-term sustainable working system is by having people communicating in multiple different ways, being able to express themselves in multiple different ways. Because we know, we, we've pretty much come to the point of proving this, that Different languages have different ways of expressing themselves, right? Expressing different emotions. So if you could tap into all of these different ways of expressing emotions, I mean, you become a fuller person. You become, Mm -hmm. you know, really the truest definition of well-rounded. Speaking about indigenous peoples, living in Montreal, which is uh, under the Kanawage, Mm -hmm. which is the closest reserve. So what would be (coughs) for you... The sentiment. I have no, just, to, just for the record, I have no relationship with Native people. Okay. I'm, I'm and unfortunately. Of, uh, what's your feeling of Montreal as a, as a city, as a, how they organize things or the, the citizens starting to mix towards Indigenous people's, is, people's issues? There's Montreal and then there's the universities. So the universities tend to be very sympathetic. Um, on my, in my opinion, very superficially sympathetic. Mm-hmm. Um, the city, I, I don't necessarily know if there's a policy. I don't know if there's a particular policy. I, I, I can say from my personal experience, having uh, you know walked out of Outwater Metro or pretty much any metro. Um, you know, the other, actually the other day I had a really, I had a really strange encounter with a native homeless person, mm-hmm. and. You know, it has stuck with me a lot, and it's funny, this kind of reminded me of it. You know, I was walking by, and she was, you know, begging for money. And uh, and I kind of just, like, stuck my hand out to, like, kind of say, like, I'm, you know, I'm sorry. Like, trying to, trying to at least acknowledge that, like, look, I see you there. I'm not going to ignore you. I know you're another human being, but I don't have anything to give you. And she grabbed my hand, and she kissed it. And she was like, you know, it's okay, Atika. Like, I understand. And like I didn't really know how to react, and like I was kind of walking by, and like I was like, should I stop? Should I sit with this person? Like I didn't really know what to do, and I ended up just going and taking the metro, and and just kind of standing there on the metro, and I was just thinking that, like regardless of what you think about you know colonialism and you know you know Europeans being in this part of the world, um, and, and natives being disenfranchised from their own culture, 
I think everybody would agree that Montreal's biggest problem, and it, it's a big problem that affects the Native American community, is our homeless issue. Um, yeah, I was homeless for about uh, six six weeks, uh, not a lot. But I was homeless for about six weeks, and I and, and during those six weeks, I was exposed to the homeless issue in a way that I kind of thought I would be exposed to it, but in a way that having been exposed to it has definitely um, allowed me to be more empathetic. And so when I look at when when you ask this question, like you know, what do you think? What do you think Montreal's attitude is towards Native American people? I think it's the same attitude towards homeless people. It's just very like you have groups that are very sympathetic, groups that really want to take care of them and they're doing everything in their power to take care of them. Um, and then other groups who just don't care. And I think both do a disservice. I think if you really want to fix the issue is that there has to be a way to encourage these communities, not from without, right? Not, not as an outsider, but from within, finding members of their communities who actually want to build and develop their communities. Um, I, like, I believe that they should be able to retain their culture. It should be an imperative on their part, not on my part. Like I don't think that I don't think that as like a, a non-native person that I should be like pushing and emphasizing people. You know that we respect their culture. And, like let them do that for themselves. Like let them let them do, let them stand their ground and you know get this get the respect that they deserve. Not because I want to give them to them because I'm like like a child where I'm sympathetic to them because I actually respect them as a human being. Um, but I also think that like they should be able to be in the modern world. You know, like there is a modern world. Right there, there this, you know, before the podcast, we were talking about, you know, secularism and religion. I think you can find a way to consolidate both. I think you can build native communities that are secular, secular, and part of the modern world with economic systems and, you know, man, and manufacturing and businesses and so forth. But being fully native, right? Just like we have Quebec flags, right, on on, on our streets, they can have whatever their cultural flags are, whatever it is. You you build your culture. You don't have to stay in the way that your ancestors were in order to respect. What your ancestors did, um, and I, I think Montreal doesn't do a good job of both of, of really like being sympathetic towards the fact that look a lot of these people were disenfranchised and are living in communities where their parents are alcoholics, where their their elders are either are dead or are incapable of really like teaching the information. Where to you know in a, in a lot of ways that the people who are trying to retain all of this culture and all this information are really on the fringes of these communities. Um, but you can't necessarily, as an outsider, convince these people to, to like invest in their community. So what you're trying to make with the point is that reserves are yeah. not a good uh, Oh, I'm, I'm totally against idea. reserves. And what would be your sentiment towards uh, having a, a sovereign native nation? Um, With a dedicated land? Yeah. And a bit like Inuit have. I, so I'm a, I'm a sovereignist. Uh, not in the sense of a Quebec sovereignist. I'm a I'm believer in, in Canadian sovereignty. Um, I'm, I'm not in favor of the crown being the head of state. Um, and I think that if you were to actually have a declaration of independence and a constitution of, of you know, a Canadian republic, uh, one of those additions would be reconciliation. Um, now, what does reconciliation mean? Does it mean that you just sim simply plot out a piece of land and say, here, you go live here, you go do what you want? Um, I don't think so. I think re real reconciliation means that yes, you you, you know, and I and I give the example of Utah. You know, you can have a state it, within the you can have a state within the state, right? Within, within the Union of Canada, within the Republic of Canada, where as you know, 
if you choose to, you can elect a native government, you know, predominantly Native American people that will want to protect the rights in that state. Um, and if you're a native person and you want to go there, then you have the free right too. And if you don't, you can go somewhere else. Um, and so I, I do think that like what you want is something like, you know, a mix, a melding of the two cultures um, where I guess long story short, yes, I do. I do think you can, you, you can create states, but it has to be within a union. Like I would not want to see a divided Canada where the whole, you know, breadth of Canada where you have this state and that state and, and we're not connected to some central government um, only because I, I think that that would, that would create a violent conflict. Right. If you can have conflict in, in, a, in, a, in a Congress and a government, that's fine. At least people aren't shooting each other. Um, but yeah, like I think it's conceivable to say, you know, let's say like the province of Quebec, massive province, you could split up this province into you know, four or five parts um, and create sovereign states with, with governments, with establishments, with, with, with you know, six systems like, like you see in the United States. Um, you know, just a misunderstanding of the United States, right? Like Texas, federal control over Texas is very limited. Federal control over any state is very limited. Um, it's only like you can really only really truly implement federal force if you were to you know uh, uh, employ the National Guard. Most states in the United States act independently of of the federal government. This is why you can get like let's say certain marijuana laws in Denver and California and have them actively fighting against the federal government, which is another you know drug policy. So you'd want something like that in Canada, and maybe you know, maybe in my view, this would be like the, the best way to have both reconciliation and sovereignty at the same time mm -hmm. is creating these kind of like you know splitting up the provinces and, and making mm -hmm. them more more self determined um, and defined by those groups who live there mm -hmm. or groups who, who want to live there. You know, if you have migration policies or whatever. Do you have the feeling that the debate overall between English and French is undermining the the native people's issues. It's really a directed question because this is how I feel. But I would like to have your opinion as a Canadian citizen. I would say yes. Like, yeah, yeah, it is. But I, I think, I think all the conversations we're having in Canada um, undermine, undermine those real issues. And I would even include the Native American issue as being part of that. Um, there are a lot of issues that we need to deal with in Canada, like in any state. Um, but there are certain things that need to come first, in my view. So even this French-English, where I would say that that's probably not as important as Native reconciliation, but I would say Native reconciliation is not as important as sovereignty. Um, and that, that's my view. How so? How so? Um, it goes back to this conversation we were having uh, before the podcast. Citizens of a country need to feel like they're a part of that process, that political process that defines their nation, that defines the, the, the direction their nation is going. And at this point, Canada is in a dismal situation. People do not feel part of it. People do not feel united. People do not feel like Ottawa represents the whole of Canada. Um, and for the most part, this is why, again, like I was bringing up this question of sovereignty and something like the United States of America is that you 
Canada's a massive country. Having one place like Ottawa somehow trying to div out all, divvy out all of these laws for the whole of Canada in the way a parliamentary system works, as it does in England, um, doesn't work like that. That's, that's how colonial entities function. So you would want a Republican system. You would want a system where, yes, you have a central, you know, you have a central, you know, Ottawa would still exist as the capital of the, of the whole country, but you have states that are willingly part of the union, where each state governs itself, is, is pretty much almost autonomous, um, and there's just this kind of contractual agreement between the locals and its government and its government and the central government. Um, and in life, nothing is guaranteed. And I think the biggest fear that people have is like, well, you know, if we become a, so you know, if we become a sovereign nation, which I think most people don't realize we're not a sovereign nation, then you know, there's a risk of dissolution that Canada would no longer become a country, uh, maybe even become absorbed by the United States, who knows? Um, but I think, I think why it's the most important issue is because we should no longer be looking at a chair when we're in parliament. Right? We, do, we do very childish things as a government. We, we don't address issues with the same type of vitality and honesty and uh, desire for the actual benefit of, of our citizens. Um, everything is very superficial in our government because our government is superficial. Our government is not a real government. It's a puppet government. It's something, you know, this is why we have something like the uh, Gouverneur General, mm -hmm. right? That is, the <laughs> it's a colonial term. Can you, can you explain? What, what the yeah. Governor General is? Yeah, yeah. So the Governor General is the Queen's representative in Canada. And so every election that we have, everybody says it's symbolic. Everybody claims it's symbolic. Maybe it is, but symbolism is super important. But she essentially confirms the Prime Minister. She says, okay, or I think now it's a she, maybe it's a, it's a, it's a he, I can't remember who, who our Governor General is. Um, but I'm going to say she, I might be wrong. Um, she says, okay, this person was voted in by the uh, by the population but i'm gonna give the final kind of okay mm -hmm. we've never had a situation where an elected official has been pulled out but i think the reason is because no no radical uh, there's never been a person that has proposed such a radical shift away from the crown that has required a governor general to step in and say hey this person can actually be prime minister of canada um yeah do you feel like the population of canada Feel disconnected from how how the country works. Look, there's my opinion on it, and then there's the facts, the statistics. You know how many people vote every every time we have an election. How many people vote in their local elections? How many people actually go to town hall meetings? I um, mean, this isn't just a symptom of Canada, right? This is also happening in the United States, and there's a big problem in the United States. So why you see such an issue in the United States? But here you don't feel it as an issue per se. Here you don't even notice it, mm -hmm. right? I don't know, like. I've been to many town hall meetings, and it's mostly gray hair, right? It's mostly older people. Um, you know, I think it was when I was eight, around 18, before I was 18, it was before I was 18 because I wasn't voting yet, but I remember talking to a lot of friends before, like, you know, leading up to my 18th birthday, and I was asking, like, oh, you know, next year we have an election, and I remember that was our first election, Canadian election was when I turned 18, and I was kind of excited about it, and I was, you know, walking around telling people, I was like, are you going to vote? Are you going to vote? It's so great we get to participate in our first election and I was surprised to see how many 17 and 18 year olds were so uninterested and the most frustrating part of it is that Canada actually does do a good job of making voting accessible right like you can you can be from BC and in Quebec and vote in a federal election 
you don't have to go back home to vote. I mean, it's really like Canada has, I'm like, not everything is bad about Canada. Right? Canada has done a fantastic job um, to make voting more accessible for people. But it's so frustrating and so surprising to see how many people are actually apathetic to that. So, you know, just to, just to say, I, you know, you could go and blame the government entirely, but I also think that the, that the issue is that the people, you know, as citizens of this country, whether it's a synthetic creation of apathy or there, it is just so happens to be that we're apathetic, um, that's a big problem. It's a big problem, and, and, and it's a problem because there are other people in society who are not apathetic and who are pushing and fighting for their agenda. Um, and it's those people who are active that eventually will be able to get what they want. Um, I, yeah. So I'm going to wrap it up with this really interesting subject, but I wanted to go back to something you said about homelessness mm -hmm. because you've experienced it, and I'm glad you're safe. Thanks. And I wanted to, to know what are the services that were available in Montreal for homeless people that are useful, that are lacking, because coming from Paris, where there are lots of homeless people, I felt like there were really few here, and... You found there were few here? Yeah. And to me, it was because of the weather, and people, people don't want to, to, to let people die under minus 20. That's the limit. And in Paris, people can survive. It's about survival. It's torturous, but they can survive, so we ignore the issue. I felt like Montreal has... I haven't been involved in associations or whatever uh, in Montreal. I have in Paris, but not in Montreal. And I felt like there was more organizations because there are less people in the streets. There are people in the subway, but there are less people in the streets. So I wanted to have the experience on that to light me up. <laughs> um, I don't know how the, homelessness, how the homelessness issue is in Paris. I would say that it's pretty bad here, but it's also a, a, like a pan-Canadian issue. A lot of homeless people that I've met will hop trains to go out to BC in the winter. So a lot of the homeless that you might see in the summer, actually, you know, go on vacation, quote unquote, to uh, to Vancouver because the climate there is a little bit more bearable. But those are the ones who can, right? The ones who can't. Uh, there, there are homeless shelters here. None of them are like government run, or at least not that I know of. And uh, there, there's also a culture. You know, there's a certain uh, in Quebec a very rustic culture, and I think that more than we like to admit, there are some people who are willing homeless. Who, who actually just enjoy the kind of, the, the lifestyle, enjoy and however, you know, whatever that means. What do but you like, mean by that? Huh? What do you mean by that? Well, like I met, a, I, I met in, you know, when I, when I was out on the street, I, I met a lot of people who just wanted to, to just move, to just be a, be a kind of roamer. You know, they had their backpack with them and they were just roaming around and, and, and living in very minimal conditions. But they, you know, it, kind of like it just like a spiritual I guess journey it's a it's a minority I'm not saying that you know it's on most people I would say like the definition of homelessness is not having the choice of having a home there are tons of homeless people that are employed I think people don't realize that but there are tons of people who are on the street who have jobs 
now it's maybe in part because of rising house prices maybe there's some other issues that you don't know about but i'd say if you really like if we're really addressing the the homeless issue in montreal we do a fine job in terms of 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 maintaining maintaining these people keeping them alive right allowing them to sleep in the metro there are tons of soup kitchens uh we have tons of homeless shelters um not free by the way you pay to go into a homeless shelter um so there are there are definitely establishments private establishments that that are trying to help trying to um you know at least again like i said maintain these people keep these people alive but uh when it comes to actually addressing the homelessness issue i mean most people on the street have either been you know have either come from from mental institutes um obviously drugs drugs is a big big problem uh, montreal is a huge heroin problem but I don't know. I mean, we're, I think we're better better than, like, other major cities in terms of our homelessness issue. I think we're very sympathetic. Um, it, it's something that we, we see as a problem, and we're trying to address it in the way that, I guess, people without means can address it, if you can put it in those kind of crude terms. But I think, like, most places in the world, we have not entered a point where our policy reflects the high-minded ideals of Western civilization. I think we're still looking at a society that is very much um, in favor of a kind of, some people might call it capitalism. I, I, I tend to think about it as more as a um, archaic, you know, survival of the fittest type mentality that, um, you know, these people are probably on the streets because that, that's, where they, that's where they ended up because they didn't make the right choices. And in part, you know, some of, it, some of that is probably true. Um, but m- more often than not, it, it has a lot more to do with um, their circumstance. Like I said, there are tons of homeless people that just don't have a place to stay. And, and what happens after a while is that, you know, you have a job, you start showing up and you smell and people are like, look, why don't you take a shower? And you're like, well, you, you don't really want to say, well, I don't have a shower. I don't have a home. <laughs> right. Um, you know, if I think you, I think if you really want like a real fix to the homelessness issue, homelessness issue, you, you, you should. You should, uh, you know, you should build free housing, something like that, for, for people who are homeless. At least get them off the streets and 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 sleeping in a bed, and hopefully, you know, taking showers and brushing their teeth and like doing those basic hygienic things to to build their confidence up, to make them feel like human beings again, and not just like animals. But uh, that that is that that's a whole other issue, and I don't think it's an issue that the Quebec government or the Canadian government is really ready to address. Um, and it's not a money thing either, in my opinion. It's not a question of well, if we moved around funds. Uh, it's not necessarily if we moved around funds. It's it's if we actually had the right policy, if we had a credit system. You know, there's so many things in place uh, that would need to be in place for us to actually do these things. So you know, we're doing what we can with what we have. It's not perfect, but it's I, at least in my opinion, it's it's better than what I've seen. We have we've addressed most of the subjects here. Classic. Gonna stop it here. Okay. Yeah. Thank you very much, Aaron. Thank you for having me. That was a pleasure. Yes, it was. Always. That's the end of this conversation with Aaron. Thank you for listening. And if you're still here, it should mean that you've enjoyed it. Feel free to share it to your friends and on social media. Next week's episode will be with Harry, a French guy who came to Montreal for his page in anthropology. See you next week on the Tokyo Wiki 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 podcast.